Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Mike McCarthy live at 6.30 to preview his former team. Bobby's going to do it right now in the film room. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Brian Broaddus' Green Bay Packers. Uh, Peyton, <laughs> last night when we recorded Love of the Star, which is that out yet or is it out later this morning? Uh, it's out right now. Okay, it's out right now. So if you would like to go uh, after this show, yeah, turn it on to just hear how I got Brian Broaddus in a mood pretty quick. Oh, you're bringing this up. I love it. Oh, I mean, you can hear it. It's very clear. You can hear it <laughs> on, in the podcast. And I say at some point, like, well, I wasn't trying to get you worked up, right? But Peyton, would you describe him as worked up? Um, a little bit. You know, he did not like you coming after his Green Bay Packers. He didn't like what I'm about to say right now. Should we which specify, is, though, that, like, he's not rooting for Green Bay? No, no. And he said that. He's like, I'm not rooting for Green Bay. He just, Brian is a classic personnel guy which is just that rubbing, rubbing your forehead, sweating through every game. Like you think like it doesn't matter that you're playing whoever the worst team in the league is at the moment. Yeah. You, you could be playing the, the yeah. commanders. He's Lou Holtz. Yes. Lou Holtz. It's, it's the old oh, Lou they're Holtz. Good. Like, they're how are we going to beat do? Bill and Mary? Yeah, that whole thing. That's yeah. it's, it's that. And it's not. It's, it's William and Mary, not I know, Bill but, and Mary. But the joke used yeah. to be calling them Bill yeah. and Mary. So he would always. Brian, because of that, and it's, it comes from a genuine place. It's not the Saban like Babe was talking about yesterday, the Saban presenting it as a certain thing. Brian genuinely has a fear of losing to every single football team. And so that's kind of where he's at with this one. This is a – the issue that he had with me is what I is how I look at the Green Bay Packers, in which the Packers can play to 100% of their capability. And Dallas still has to shoot themselves in the foot and – do things to beat themselves in order for Green Bay to win. And mm. that's because Green Bay, just in a lot of ways, Jordan Love is very impressive. The way that some of the throws he makes are incredibly impressive. He's got a lot of trust in his arm. He's a little reckless with the ball at times, even though he's only thrown one interception in eight weeks. There have been several that could have been intercepted. Babe talked about it yesterday. He's very loose with the ball. He'll fumble it. Uh, they don't protect for very long. They've got a decent offensive line, but against the Cowboys pass rush, I think they'd have a lot of trouble protecting Jordan Love for an extended period of time. And it's one of those things where even in the running game, when we talk about, hey, if you tried to execute a Buffalo Bills game plan with Aaron Jones, who's very, very good and has killed the Cowboys throughout his career, he's like Tim Salmon against the Rangers. He just crushes them. Hmm. And Aaron Jones has a lot of capability, but the Green Bay offensive line, while they play with a lot of power, they are very heavy-footed. They can't block the same way Buffalo did. Buffalo is able to get up to the second level, take out those yeah. smaller linebackers, everything else. Because we have Rob Domofsky on, and he's like, that power run game that can torment the Cowboys, Green Bay doesn't have that. And that's they, 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 they're strong. You've got strong guys on that offensive line who can, like, you know, really sit down and pass rush and or in pass protection and, and block things up, and they can maul guys at times if they need to. They don't have the athleticism a lot of times to get up to that second level, especially with as fast as Dallas is on their second level, because Dallas can just run by these blocks in a lot of ways. Their pass block win rate is second in the league, but their run block is 16. They don't block very well. And, and again, the pass, uh, the pass block win rate thing is a little 
going sure. to be skewed. There's, if you recognize you don't have a very good pass, if you recognize you don't have a very good pass protection, what are you going to do? You're going to get the ball out quick. So pass block win rate is going to be related to did you win in X amount of time? And if they're getting the ball out before then, then it, it can skew it a little bit. And, the, and Green Bay knows that and adjusts to it. Uh, they've obviously missed Bakhtiari this year. They have issues at times with their tackles. Uh, like I said, the guards on the inside, John Runyon, Elton Jenkins, the center Myers, like they have trouble with athleticism getting up there. So I think honestly, Dallas, the second level, as much as they struggle at times in, in the run game, what would have to happen here is Dallas guessing wrong for it to be. And, and they are very capable of doing that. They've done it a lot. But that's where I say it doesn't matter what Green Bay does necessarily. It's more about what Dallas doesn't do. If Dallas shoots themselves in the foot and steps in the wrong gap or misjudges something or Matt LaFleur has to start designing certain things to kind of give them eye candy to play with them, then they're in trouble. Do they run a ton of motion and stuff? Because people have said the way to go at that Cowboys defense is to confuse and run a lot of motion. They struggle against it. So LaFleur always has used motion as a way to attack teams it's i don't know what their motion rate is at the top of the league but just watching it like in terms of, i don't know how it would stack up in a like a statistical vacuum but when you watch them yeah they'll they'll do some different things and try to be creative a couple of years ago when tennessee came to town and lafleur was the offensive coordinator there some of the biggest pass plays they hit were with like jet motion loop the guy back throw a screen and have him go like i think they hit two or three of those and so that's something that LaFleur has tried to design. He obviously comes from that McVay-Shanahan group that uses a lot of that different stuff. But on the defensive side of the ball for, for And by Green the way, Bay, before you get into the defense, I should have mentioned this at the very top, Cowboys may have caught a sprain. Jair Alexander had an ankle injury during Wednesday's practice. LaFleur said he was injured during their jog through. It was kind of a freak deal. Walk much. We had mostly a jog through, and he stepped on somebody's foot and rolled his ankle. He's doing everything he can to be available. It is day to day. Yikes. Wow. Yeah, that's that's big. I mean, it's especially if it's not it's not the best unit anyway on their team. And he played only seven games because of a shoulder issue, one game suspension for the coin toss. And LaFleur said it was a freaky deal. He was focused, locked in, doing everything we were asking him to do, and it just happened. So Jair Alexander jogging off, rolling the ankle. The, the the playoffs. I mean, not forget this game in general. It's a it's a who's healthiest a lot of times anyway. Uh, and then you know you get you get little little breaks like this. And maybe he misses the game, and all of a sudden, uh, a game that you might be a little bit wondering to yourself. Look, you, I think most of most people are going to pick the Cowboys anyway. But it's like, all right, but can Green Bay keep it close? But you start getting injuries to key parts of the team on the other side, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay. Can they? Are the, is this team going to be a wagon again at home? Yeah, and and what I would say is, there's a reason that there's chatter that could there be trouble for people on the coaching staff if they lose this game to Green Bay because you would have to, it would have to be issues of lack of preparation. It would have to be issues of discipline. It, it, and I've said this this week. I've said it the last couple weeks as one of the defining traits I think of the Cowboys is they are one of the five most talented teams in the NFL easily, I think one through 53. And I think they are also probably easily bottom 10 in the league as a group in terms of football IQ and details. And so, look, I mean, as young as we've all talked about Green Bay, is Green Bay a lot of times looks more disciplined on tape than Dallas does. Dallas is just so overwhelmingly talented. And so that's where that gap could be closed potentially is that if Green Bay plays to complete capacity – 
Dallas does what we've seen them do at times, which is make silly mistakes or have attention to detail issues or, oh, does Dak get into tunnel vision mode and doesn't see a linebacker sitting here? But the problem is just you you would need them to do that. The biggest issue here is, and this is something that when you talk to people around the Cowboys, they'll tell you this. If you can hit Jake Ferguson, if you can hit the tight ends with the seam throw, there is no way to defend Dallas's passing game because the ways that you'd want to kind of cover things with zones and everything else when you've got Cooks and and Lamb, it, it leaves you naturally a little more vulnerable to what the seam throw is, which can be a dangerous throw at times. We obviously know moving out of the middle of the field is something the Cowboys wanted to do with Dak for the beginning part of the season. But if you're able to hit that, you have to then account for it and you can't play Cooks and Lamb the way you want to, and it becomes really impossible to do that. So what does that mean? Linebackers, safeties are going to be a big part of covering the middle, and their linebackers and their safeties in Green Bay can't cover. That, that's their biggest. If you were to say, what is the biggest area of weakness on the Green Bay defense, like particular skill set, it's that the linebackers and the safeties can't cover in, in the pass game. Wow. And so that vulnerability, I think you, I bet you see some shots to Jake Ferguson, like between the hashes or right up the seam early in this game, because I think the Cowboys want to establish early. We can hit this. So you guys are going to have to adjust. And when you have to adjust, they will go over 40 points if they're hitting the seam throw. And so, because Green Bay just won't be able to cover them. Bobby Belt's Film Room, part one on your home of the NFC East champs. Mike McCarthy is coming up live in 20 minutes. Let's cover every other playoff game that's taking place this weekend. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick talking about their exits. All of that with all the football you can handle, plus a playoff ticket giveaway. RJ has a brand new Packers song as well. It's all coming up on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. The head coach of America's team, Mike McCarthy, is coming up live in 15 minutes. Coach joins us every Friday at 6.30 here on Sean, RJ, and Bobby. Let's get into all the other playoff games. It's one of those shows I just I, 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 I dread at the end when I'm like, I know we just don't have enough time. I haven't sent the guys messages last night. I'm like, don't send anymore. We're, we're absolutely loaded up with a Cowboys-Packers playoff ticket giveaway during the Expressway. Uh, also, a brand new RJ Choppy Cowboy playoff song. We're going to pick these things. We got Nick Eman, DallasCowboys.com, and of course, Coach coming up at 6.30. But let's go through the rest of the games. It starts tomorrow at 3.30, Cleveland versus Houston. Normally the Saturday first game. I, it's a dud. It is it, a dud. Brian Baldinger was on yesterday with the G-Bag Nation, and they asked him, what game like do you feel the most confident about picking, he picked this game, and he picked Cleveland. Yeah, He picked Cleveland for this game. Right now, the spread is Browns by two. Yeah, so I'm all I'm all over the Browns in this one as well uh, with the points. Uh, rookie uh, Quarterbacks making their first playoff start do not cover the spread against quarterbacks who have made a playoff start at about a 60% clip. So it's like 65% of the quarterbacks that are making their first start fail to cover the game. So that's that, you know, CJ Stroud versus Joe Flacco has been in a million of these playoff games. That's not even the real thing. I think Cleveland's just a very good team. 
And yeah, he said even if Flacco turns it over, their defense yeah, is good, good enough to help them recover. Yeah, they really are. And while Houston has had a great season, are they a great team? Or did, did C.J. Stroud just have a really, really good year? That's why they made the playoffs. And I Uh-oh. think the, I think that's the obvious answer. Even though Houston's probably not as bad as what we thought they were going to be, Cleveland is a very – they've got a really good roster. Definitely weird also to look at this, and I'm like, oh, Cleveland's on the road for this. Yeah. It's just – you know, Cleveland is on. I'm glad you mentioned that, Sean Sharif. As the NFL put out as a note this week, this is stunning to me. If the Browns win this weekend, Joe Flacco passes Tom Brady for the NFL record for most postseason road victories. What? Flacco would be the winning it, yeah. like have the most victories on the road in the postseason in the history Wait, of the Tom NFL. Tom never won on the road. No, on the and road. Not, what, he have five? What, he have five? No, but Brady is the record holder. I know. With what, five? Eight. Uh, seven. So this would be the eighth so road victory. But yeah. I mean, you think eight It's like Mahomes has no road victories. Well, right. And th- think about like with Dallas. Dallas was what, went 30 years without a road playoff victory? Like, like there, that, was a, that was a more significant drought than what they had in the yeah. Super Bowl run. And Mark so, Sanchez has four. He also, with road. this, yeah. he would also pass Brett Favre for the most victories in the history of the wild card if he wins this week. Wow. By the way, I had this in my notes all week long, and I haven't gotten to it, but it's my favorite stat in all sports. It's the reason we do the five-in, five-out. When the Texans made the playoffs, they joined Cleveland, Detroit, and the Rams, teams that qualified after missing the year before. It is the 34th consecutive season with at least four teams making that turnaround. So that's our stat yeah. we do every year. Yeah. Four in, four out, five in, five out. For 34 straight years, four brand new playoff teams, Texans, Browns, Lions, and Rams. That's why I love and, that stat. And that's actually low over the last couple of years, which had been six because of yeah. the added seventh team. All right. We move on over. Or we'll make all the official picks team. later on. Seven o'clock. And I just looked at my uh, bank account to see well, if we got paid today. Did not. Uh, but I saw my Peacock subscription Peacock. for 6 or $7. So I know I'm watching this game tomorrow night in Kansas City where the latest weather report yesterday had this at negative 30 with the wind chill. It is going to be dangerously cold according no to the done. National Weather Service. Don't say that too early, Jason <laughs> Kidd. Minus 30 in KC. Only four games in history have had below zero kickoff temperatures. 67 Ice Bowl, 82 AFC Championship, the Freezer Bowl. Cincinnati is minus nine. 2016 Wild Card Game in Minnesota was minus six. 08 NFC Championship in Green Bay was minus one. Minus 30 wind chill. And I think the stat is that the Dolphins have lost 10 straight games when the, there it is. They've lost 10 straight when the thermometer dipped below 40. And, I mean, look, this is this is gonna be a nightmare game. We were when I was uh, up here for the meeting yesterday. I was sitting well, in with K and C, and they're like, "Would you go to this game? You got free tickets." Uh huh. You know, because they're they're fifty four dollars. It's it's so you can get in the door right now, fifty four bucks for this game. What? Because of the weather, nobody wants to go. Y'all won't even go to AT and T Stadium with free tickets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't mind the I don't mind the cold. I, I, you know, I'd be I'd be okay with that. With the wind chill. Well, the wind. Well, you yeah yeah you're blocked. You're blocked. You got people blocking you next door. The average you know, next to you. The average wind chill during the ice bowl was thir- minus thirty six. So we are talking about this is ice bowl level. It now, is that what Kansas City's gonna. It, have. It, it's gonna be awful. It's gonna be absolutely awful. There uh, and the NFL's got to change that because you can't have the most important games in a completely different weather pattern than every other game of the season. Mm. You know, you just can't. It, it, was, it was cool and, and tough 
when it was three yards of a cloud of dust. But when the game is centered around passing, you can't have you, there's the, the, why you would want to put the most important games in completely different conditions than every other game on your schedule throughout the course of the year has blown my mind for 44 years. I just think the elements for a football game make it even more of an attraction for them. I understand what you're saying about sacrificing and losing the style, yeah. but everyone's going to be talking about the elements of this. It's going to be an even bigger draw for the National that, that, Football that, League. That's fine. Then, then, then the National Football League needs to tell everybody that. What do you want to do? How would you solve it? Um, I would either make it a spring sport or start it earlier. Okay, so you're not, like, moving all these playoff games somewhere. You're just talking about timing in the calendar. Timing in the calendar. Or, I mean, look, if you want to do neutral sites for playoff games like they do in college football and everybody has to be in a dome, I'm fine with that, too. Yuck. No. You I'm don't fine want with that. Neutral site playoff games, that defeats the whole purpose of the regular season. Field? You're not. You're playing for seeding. Mm. Nah. No. No. Uh, I mean, look, <laughs> listen. They, it, what, what's more important? You know, having your home field or being or, or, or having the, the conditions – from from a league perspective, not not, not a fan, individual fans. I get want the home field, but if you're the league, is is your product more important, or people say, "Oh man, that snow game was so cool." That 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 is going to tie into the product, I think. Right, the, because the product suffers in bad weather. No, the, the, but the product gonna, has no, to be number one. They're going to people are going to praise. I think people are going to love the visuals of this. I am. Oh yeah. No, look, and, and if it's going to be an awful offense. I, I was trying to figure out the spread. I'm like, is this not a Steelers Bills over under? It's not. It's no. eight points higher. The over under is forty three and a half. Steelers Bills is thirty five and a half. I was a little bit surprised by that. If you want to talk about the product too, if teams were playing only for seating and not home field, you would have teams start strategically resting guys at the end of the year, and the product starts suffering over eighteen weeks instead of one. Like, like, you'd have teams start saying, like, well, we're going to rest this. I'd rather get this match up here because it doesn't matter. I'm not at home anyway. Why? What, what am I playing for? And so you'd start getting more, I think, rest issues that, like, the NBA runs into. Uh, uh, or, or, or then, fine. Then then keep home field. Mandate every stadium has a roof. Man. <laughs> Seriously, like, they've got enough money. Mandate it all. Because. But how often should this happen in order for you to make these changes? It happens every year. I mean, just ask Green Bay. Not, ask Aaron Rodgers why he couldn't win in the playoffs and Brett Favre and how they went 40 years with it. those two quarterbacks <laughs> and they went to three Super Bowls. Because he didn't get the jab. Because, yeah, right? Because the weather sucked. And every time they had a team come in there that was a run-first team, they got beat in the postseason at Lambeau. Those are the Saturday games. We'll get to Sunday after the head coach of America's team, Mike McCarthy joins us live on Sean and RJ right after this. Good morning, Metroplex. It's Sean, RJ, and Bobby on your home of the NFC East champs. And a major reason for that is this guy. Mike McCarthy brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys as we get you set for Sunday. And we have a playoff ticket giveaway coming up during the 7 o'clock hour. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, gentlemen. I'd like to thank you for making me a commercial. Uh, my boss uh, wanted to make fun of me. Uh, you guys were mocking my sniffles, you and Choppy, uh, my sickness. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Coach. I appreciate it. Well, most importantly, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, this, this, good, enough, good enough to work. All right, I just kind of doubled up on that vacation. <laughs> the timing seemed a little suspicious. <laughs> I know. My apologies. But, look, I wanted to start with something – Semi-serious, and I know you 
you know, looking on to bigger things, but we're sitting here and as good of a feeling as as we've had uh, for for a playoff run in in our twelve or thirteen years of doing this show. Didn't think y'all would be able late in the year to go and get that two seed, uh, the twelve and five stat everyone's been talking about. So first off, congratulations on even getting to the spot and an awesome, awesome regular season. We're proud of you. Well, thank you. No, it's it's uh, it's been a, it's been a journey. They all are. You know, every season brings different different challenges at different times. And uh, but no, I'm really proud of the team. And 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 I do. I agree. I agree with you. I think we're in a really good spot. Coach, I want to ask a couple of like generic playoff questions that we all try to examine every year. You know, this is now coaching in the playoffs. Is there is there a difference? Is there, is there a major difference in how you coach in a playoff game versus a regular season game? Uh, no, I just think you need to maximize, you know, um, you know the, the quality of the coaching or, you know, really your focus on exactly what, you know, what you do best. I think one thing about playoff football, you know, brings to you is you just don't, you know, you just got to make sure you keep, keep your volume tight. Um, and just, you know, you're giving the players, you know, clean, clean looks, um, you know, throughout the game. And that starts, you know, with the game plan process and how you, you know, and how you work and, and, and you know, be diligent and so forth. Because, you know, I, I think like anything, you, you got to always clean your own house. And this is, you know, especially the time of year where you, you've got to stay really on top of your shelf, Scott. And, because at the end of the day, we got to go out and play our best football, and, and obviously, I, we don't want guys thinking that, that that'd be the last thing you want. Do you find the style of play changes a lot? Uh, if coach doesn't change, but the style of play might. I know other sports, like you know, the game slows down or or whatever. Do you find that in the NFL that the style of play changes in the postseason? Well, the the urgency is definitely there. The the, the energy is higher. Um, you know, it's just the importance of the game is very very evident. Um, so, and I think it's more as the game goes on. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing like playoff football. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. This is what we're all committed to. And, and, you know, uh, I mean, I, I love it. There's nothing like it. The other stereotypical topic is playoff experience. We've all talked about green Bay's youth and Dak and you and other guys haven't been here before is playoff experience a thing. And, and if so, how, well, you're always trying to, you know, build your instincts and awareness, and obviously, experience is a is a nice variable, you know, to to grow from. Uh, no doubt, you know, we're we're a young team also, so we have some young uh, portions of our team that, you know, I think our, our veterans uh, do a great job, and, and you know, it just doesn't start this week because you're in the playoffs. It's something you're building, you know, throughout the off season, training camp, and all the way through the year. So, but yeah, youth is uh, youth can be a good thing, and uh, but at the end of the day, it's um, it's really the connection to the locker room is, is how I've always felt. And, and I'd put ours up against anybody's. Coach, I know you said after the game last week that uh, you, you weren't going to dive into the psychology of, of playing Green Bay and that being your former team and everything else. So are you happy, though, or, or in a way, are you grateful that you were already able to get that reunion game, in essence, out of the way last year? Like, like is it, does it help you approach this game and say it's easier to make sure everybody's focused on tasks and that that's not a question we have to get all this week? Well, no, I, I, you, you answered it in your question. I mean, it, it wasn't a, by no means was it a, you know, an attempt in the psychology realm of competition. It was just more, you know, keeping the focus on what's most important. And, uh, you know, and I am part of that, you know, football team that, you know, if I'm going to ask everybody else to just be totally, you know, 
engaged to what's in front of us, you know, it definitely has to start and stop with me. So it's just, it's just really a, a point of focus. Have you found looking back at, at game tape uh, from this year to last year that their offense, LaFleur's offense looks a little bit different, considerably different with Jordan Love versus Rodgers? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, well, it's, it's always going to be a little different based off who the quarterback is, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, systematically, um, you know, there's, there's definitely uh, a lot of carryover and, and, and fully the expectation of what you think you're going to get, you know, there's definitely carryover, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's only obvious, uh, you, you got a guy that's played 20 years and, and now you're, you know, with a quarterback in his you know, first year, but I, I would say this you know, over the last six weeks, um, you know, it, it isn't like they're holding anything back. He, he definitely can manage a high volume offense I think he clearly has shown that Jordan Love yeah coach what else have you seen in your QB eval of of, of Jordan oh definitely um, I like the way he plays the game um, I, I think you know number one it's he gets through his reads uh, he, he's he, he's very systematic in everything he does um, he can make he can make all the throws to any quadrant on the field um, so he can change his arm angle uh, it's very natural at that so and he's made plays out, you know in and out of the pocket too so I think he's done a nice job. Mike McCarthy joining us on the DNM Leasing Hotline. Coach, how much more of a threat has their running game become late in the season with what Aaron Jones has done and the numbers that he, he he's been putting up? Well, it's it's definitely gonna it starts there uh, without a question. That's when they're at their best. Um, really, that's you know so important to their success because it it gives you the looks on the outside and the one on ones in particular. You know, their green grass downfield pass concepts uh is which they you know they've been very productive but, but it, it clearly starts with that offensive line and Aaron and uh Dylan hey, coach you know uh, a couple years ago it was a a big theme it felt like coming in you know out of the season the 21 season that you guys wanted to become more physical and that was something that you guys really worked at to to build a toughness and a physicality uh specifically I guess in the trenches but when you look at Green Bay and and the guys they have there Kenny Clark Rashawn Gary Preston Smith uh, just talk about that sort of physicality and and how it challenges you and how that preparation you guys have taken over the last couple of years gets you ready to go against a defensive line like this. Well, we, we've always been a physical football team. The focus was to improve our tackling, uh, which we clearly have um, from last year to this year. Um, so that'll that'll be key. Uh, definitely Sunday. You know, we got we got to tackle these backs. Um, you know, we got to we got to limit the space opportunities and, uh, you know, as a whole, just uh, through our evaluation internally, uh, tackling has definitely has been an asset for our defense. Mike McCarthy joins us here on 105 through the fan. Uh, this officiating crew calls uh, from all reports a ton of offensive holding calls, um, which Mike, uh, you know, famously has not been called for a hold since, what, September? Uh, do you have your highlight tape prepared for the meeting with the officials? To get some holding calls for Micah. No, uh, I, I think like anything, you know, the, the, these crews in the playoffs, you know, there, there's there's a lot that goes into it. So, um, but no, other, you know, we have a 90 minute meeting, you know, before every game. You know, we have we have an opportunity to voice concerns. I mean, and, and there's a procedure to it, and you know, uh, but yeah, we'll 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 stick to our plan um, and, and and bring up the things we would like to see, you know, highlight in the game. Coach, how concerned are you that Stephon Gilmore could be limited dealing with the harness, the shoulder, whatever he's uh, going to be dealing with as he tries to, to to gut it out? Or is, is gut it out 
being over dramatic that that you think he's going to be more more fine than than maybe some think well no he's he's definitely uh is playing through something significant there's no question about that but he's uh he practiced yesterday and, and actually uh, walking off the field with him yesterday he felt great uh, about you know cause he, you know had i don't think he's ever won, worn a harness so um but no i, I think he's in a, in, a, in a great spot and he's got another 48 hours so uh, you know, I look for him to be, you know, ready to go. You feeling good and positive about Tyler's status? Yeah, he's getting there. Um, I'm curious to see how he feels today. You know, yesterday was his biggest amount of work. Coach, as everything gets magnified in the playoffs, you know, we, we always kind of blow things up with one possession or one clock decision or one penalty. How are those things? How are you, how confident are you feeling and, and good about the little things category when it comes to those differences that can decide a playoff game with with how you guys have executed them this year? Well, that's what you work on, you know, you know, throughout your practice structure, and obviously, you know, I talk about it time and time again. That's why I, I appreciate and I think it's so important to have you know tough tough games uh, throughout the course of a regular season. You want to you want to be in those situations. You know, throughout the year, because uh, obviously you practice them. You know, we'll, we'll spend a, a big segment today just on the on the end of the game. So, uh, so th- these things are well rehearsed and well practiced. But you know, you definitely like the you know the live action in that area. But yes, uh, we feel great about our preparation. Coach, one last thing on this game: what type of atmosphere are you anticipating? Everyone says. The Cowboys at home, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, they, they've been invincible. What do you expect in Sunday in Arlington? God, you're teeing them up here. Um, I'm uh, expecting a whiteout, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, our crowd will be incredible. No, it'll be an electric atmosphere. It'll be everything it's supposed to be. And, you know, I look for us to come out and play with great energy and execution. Looking forward to it. Do you have your game day outfit picked out yet? Uh, it's whatever they put in my locker. So. Oh, <laughs> oh! You don't pick it. It's just, it's just whatever's in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not a big, long uh, process. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mike McCarthy, Joe's here, one hundred five through the fan. All right, so this weekend in Kansas City, it's going to be like minus thirty. Is that what you said with the wind chill? You were in a similar game to this in uh, the 07 season. Like, how, yeah. how, how much of your playbook gets like scrapped in a game like that? Well, I mean, you, you got to really see, uh, you know, with you know how it's all about the football. Obviously, always is each and every week. But yeah, you, you definitely um, tilt us, you know, certain concepts over others. No, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, but I think once you you get going out there, uh, it's not really the temperature that's the factor. It's the wind. So uh, the wind is always is always the the adjust adjustment mechanism uh, for me as far as how you attack. Any tips for these coaches on staying warm? Did you have any tricks up your sleeve besides Black yeah. Rifle Coffee? I hope they have a – yeah, drink a lot of a lot of coffee. But uh, definitely uh, I hope they have good good relationships with the equipment guys up there because that's important. Yeah, they, they, those guys, uh, the equipment that they have and the things they, they can give you, it, it, they'll be fine. Last one. The fans, co- are, the ones, the fan, the fans are the ones that are, you know, those are the ones you got to watch. Yeah, well, they have alcohol. Yes. Well, there you go. But yeah. they, they have to have a good plan, which sounds like you know, you know the plan. <laughs> you got the plan. <laughs> All right, Coach, last one. Uh, 
It's been a crazy couple of days in terms of the coaching news with some legends going away. Some are going to probably be coming back. But your reaction to all the coaching news, and do you have one special story when it comes to either Belichick or Nick Saban that has uh, personally uh, 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 been a connection to you? Um, I don't know either, man, you know, personally. But, uh, yeah, I think just having just a few times able to compete with Coach Belichick, there's always something that, you know, you remember from the games. Um, you know, it's, we, we, we had a particular game in 2014 that, you know, just just changes uh, the way you may have to view, uh, you know, putting together a call sheet. So, yeah, you know, pure football, great respect for their careers. Um, love competing against them. You know, I had a chance to uh, compete against uh, Coach Saban when he was in Miami. So, yeah, and, and, and with uh, Nick's done at Alabama, I mean, it speaks for itself. It's what an incredible career. So, uh, you know, definitely two titans in our industry. Um, so, uh, yeah, nothing but great respect for those guys. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Uh, congratulations on just an awesome, awesome season so far. Let's keep it going, and let's talk next Friday as well. Thank you, and good luck. Right, you bet. All right, thank you, man. Have a great day. The head coach of America's team, Mike McCarthy, brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. Talking about a game plan in there, something about uh, changing a play sheet based upon facing Belichick and the equipment guys. The key, so I got my dad. Staying warm. I got yeah. my dad, who's you know mid eighties. Well, these electric. That's not a well. Uh, I got him these like heated. The oh, vest. Yeah. Yeah. I've Aurora seen those. or something. I don't yes, know what the company's I've seen called. Those. Oh my god, he loves it. I, I think bet. Dawson's old ass says he has one. He he was. He was wearing one yesterday, or he has one when he was talking to Baldinger, who did not mind uh, the minus thirty degree temperature. It's, uh, I mean, those those heated ones, dude. Like you got to charge them, I guess, before the yeah. you or have you got a, a charger in them. It's a charger in them. I think so. Oh, the wow. Battery pack, like yeah. in them, but you that's charge cool, them. man. That that's really cool because like it, it is. I, I was listening to an interview that Eli was given uh, yesterday about, and he was talking about this game, and he said that he had this like this long. This glove that went all the way up to his elbow. And it's called a sleeve. I was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but the glove went all the way up to his elbow. And he put like a bunch of those um those little heat packs in him. And he would keep his hand in that during the when 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 he was on the sideline. But when he went into play, he told Jared Lorenz in the backup, I need you to keep your hand in here to keep it warm. For when I come off the field, I want to put this thing on because he said there would be a timeout. I'd go over there, 15 seconds, put it in there to be able to go throw because <laughs> you couldn't feel the football. Yeah. It was that bad. They they, they only did about a 10-throw warm-up two hours before the game. They usually do 30, 40 minutes worth because Toomer and Plexco were body catching, and they weren't catching with their hands, and Eli couldn't feel his arm. It's wild wow. that they were even able to throw in that game. We're sending you to the game at AT&T with a Miller Lite playoff ticket giveaway on this show in the 7 o'clock hour. RJ and Bobby have put together a brand-new playoff song, but Bobby Todd Archer wrote the the column in preview of this one, Now or Never. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because it's felt like this Cowboys window has been, at at least as being a competitive team and being a contender, it's felt like this window's been open for generally like a decade like when you talk about when their quarterback has been healthy, they've generally been able to compete and and stand with some of the best teams in the NFL. And so I don't know that it's crept up on anybody yet. The idea of like, 
because they turn over town so quickly that this is getting to be a, a time where that window could start shutting on them and that you've got some serious decisions. That's one of the things that one of the things that Todd was trying to to emphasize is that we've got this slogan that McCarthy gave them carpe omnia seize everything and that it's like if you want to seize everything now might be the time to do it. We already know there's questions fair or unfair there's there's questions about where will the the status be with your head coach after these playoffs. Um, we know that just from Jerry telling us on Tuesday, there's going to be a lot of vacancies. They're anticipating vacancies on their staff this year, just from guys getting jobs and moving on. So for the coaching staff, this might be the last run that they get collectively together. And obviously... It would take something, I think, extreme. Although, I don't know. The second round is going to be the question, but we'll get to that down the road. So one of the things that so he... did he write up- this more so on the staff, players, or everyone? like the entire organization how like if you look at it in its totality there's a lot of potential for this thing to be to look very different next year well i i just totally Mm. disagree with the premise of the article why uh because the dallas cowboys next year are going to win 11 or 12 games every year so so you are going to be in the running and in the mix so um they're they're going to pay cd lamb uh, I don't think Michael Parsons is going anywhere. Dak Prescott certainly is not going anywhere. The Dallas Cowboys are going to win at least 10 games next year. This is not a New York Jet do or die with this yeah. roster with Aaron Rodgers. So from that standpoint, I know you're going to get further into the article. It doesn't It, it doesn't make a ton of sense I, I, to me. I'll, I'll give you a hockey analogy, Mr. Hockey Hamster. Trayvon Diggs. Like, you're just throwing pucks on net. Diggs coming off of a serious injury that okay. affects explosiveness. Though. Yeah, but the Dallas Cowboys are going to win at minimum nine games next year. That's yeah. on the low end. There's basically like one or two teams who don't – like the Chiefs are in a different category, right? Because they're like legit every year Super Bowl or AFC Championship game at minimum. Everybody else is just just putting pucks on net. They're trying to just throw a dart yeah. and hope that one year out of the 12 that you have your quarterback – yeah. You hit. That's what you're Unless you have Tom Brady, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, who went to a ton. Unless you have those guys, you're just throwing darts at a board. And you're hoping that your quarterback's career year matches with your defense's career year. Yeah. Matches with upsets, seeds, and a pathway to the Super Bowl. Right. And if you don't have Mahomes and you don't have Tom Brady or Joe Montana or any of those guys, that's your plan. And the Cowboys are going to have darts next year. Yeah, and that's a nightmare of, of a that's a nightmare to have to Nightmare? M- see, this nightmare. Is, he says nightmare. Nightmare? We we brought this up last night. He says nightmare. And he's like, well, I guess it's more like nightmare. He doesn't say nightmare. Well, I don't know because a mare is it's uh, M-A-R-E. It's a, it's a female horse, right? <laughs> no, but you're not pronouncing it the way it's spelled. M A R E. You're doing M E R E. I'm aware of what I'm doing. Yeah. So uh, it's incorrect. I, I, well, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, and I'm fine with that. Okay. President. Uh, yes. Uh, so, but it's like that is a a pain in the butt as a fan or as a team to have to build your roster that way. But that's how you got to do it. If you don't have Patrick Mahomes or whatever, like that's you're just trying to get lucky in a year. That's it. Here, here's the problem that you look at, though. The Cowboys right now have $258 million committed to 48 players against the 2024 cap. So the cap this year is $224 million. It's probably not going up more than eight. So you're talking about you're going to have to, right now as it stands, even before you start working on contracts, which Lamb is eligible for an extension beginning next year, 
Uh, obviously, uh, or Lamb's already been eligible. Parsons becomes eligible. You, you're going to have to start dealing with those questions right there. Uh, even some, you know, contributors who are not at the highest level are due to be like, like have opportunity to get their contracts extended. Oso Digizu is one. So when you look at it, a lot of that can be fixed by Dak's cap figure, which is sixty million dollars. You can bring that down, but that the question is, hey, there's a lot of pressure riding on this, and you're going to have to start creating some gymnastics with his contract and everything else in order to even fit this nucleus under the table. The thought, I think, from a lot of people, one of the things that Todd mentions here is there still is a serious decision, no matter how well he's played this year, a serious decision for them to make on Tyron Smith next year, that there's a a high likelihood that he's not back. You look at the core contributors. We just talked about how tight the margins are on their cap. These are guys that are free agents next year. Tony Pollard may or may not care about that one, but Tyler Biotish, Jonathan Hankins, Stephon Gilmore, Jaron Curse, Jordan Lewis, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Neville Gallimore. Like, there are core contributors here who are vulnerable. And it's like, well, they've always replenished through the draft. Yes, they have. The Cowboys have sacrificed more future draft capital in the last 10 years or two years than they typically have mm. when they go get Trey Lance or they do this or they do that. So they could get a couple compensatory compensatory picks, but they don't have their own picks in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round this year, and they have cleaned up in day three typically. So you're talking about fewer darts to throw, picking at the back end of the first round, what they've usually used to replace some of their depth. They don't have as much of it this year, and they still have tight cap concerns. That's with potentially people wanting to pluck guys from your coaching staff and wanting to thin things out. This is not just because Aaron Rodgers isn't in the conference, Drew Brees isn't in the conference, this is as vulnerable as the conference has been. It's probably only going to get stronger, and your depth is going to be challenged more this upcoming offseason than it has been in the last five. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll be in the mix. All right, keep this for receipts, Pete. Yeah, next year, Bobby <laughs> Bell predicting under 500. Along Bill with Todd Belichick Archer. leads them to 4-13. and 13. I want you to remember this, Sean. <laughs> 877-881-1053. Keep that number in mind because during this next hour, and I'm telling you in the 6 a.m. club, so y'all go ahead and win this thing. That's why I keep teasing it. We're sending you Cowboys, Packers, playoff game, starting opportunity when Peyton gives you the sounder during the 7 o'clock hour. We'll talk about the Sunday games, Kyrie over Brunson, and did you see the deal that the Rangers got for this pitcher? Ooh. Plus an RJ Choppy playoff song. It's all on the way right here on The Fan. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.